At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rave line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year oh no hello everybody welcome back to rain of Troy radio episode 375 coming to you on wednesday july 22nd we're going to talk about the latest in usc football including yet another departure from fan favorite tight end daniel imatrabebe and so much more including the cif pushing the high school football season back to the spring. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Rain of Troy. Our email address is Rain of Troy at fansider.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1USC, suck at what's burn show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Dertol. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. Let's just get straight into this. We were about to record about 20 minutes ago. And you're oh, like, you're we're going like, to have this conversation. Yes, we are. Okay. We're, we're having it right now. All right. And you're like, no, I need coffee. True story. And you go and you make your, your crummy coffee. You come back. With a big tub of biscotti, which we got from Costco. The classic Italian biscotti from Costco, which I cannot recommend highly enough. So I've always seen biscotti. I've never had it myself. I was curious. I said, give me one of those biscottis. I got to try this. Alicia, it is absolutely foul. I wouldn't (laughs) freaking feed it to a dog. How are you eating this thing? Okay, so first... It tastes like licorice. It's like spumoni, which is just horrendous. Like, spumoni should not be fed to humans either. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what's actually in this, but, like, to me, it's overwhelmingly almond-flavored. So, I mean, it's even got almond slivers and stuff like that, so... Like, maybe it's just a your super taster kind of situation. Oh, it's, uh, it's so bad. No, but, like, it's not, like, it's not, I mean, there's, like... There's, it's like drinking Jägermeister, it's, <laughs> it's like eating Jägermeister bread that's, like, hard as a rock. It has a faint, um, like... Tastes like fennel, yes, a, I agree, like, disgusting. Slightly faint... But mostly almond, and it is outstanding. But I mean, I warned you, I warned you that like you buy biscotti and eat biscotti, you don't eat it dry. Like that's straight up, you don't do it that way. Um, at least I don't. Certainly not this biscotti. Sure, but it is I don't a dry like coffee, cookie that is meant like almonds, to be dipped. So I just dipped. wanted a little nibble off. Well, the end. so like if you if you had been able to dip it in the coffee the way that it's supposed to be. You still would hate it because you don't like the taste of coffee, so it would be ta- it would taste like dirt flavored 
Spumoni to oh, you. Hold on, did you just admit that coffee tastes like dirt? No, I know that you. You think... just admitted coffee no, tastes like we dirt. Ha- we... You we have the recording. <laughs> we have had. You this... said coffee tastes like dirt. Well, I don't think this thing tastes like Spumoni. So, like, I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. You have been on the record that coffee tastes like dirt. It does, and you just agreed. We I would have say the, we have the coffee has an earthy quality to it. Oh, but, oh, yeah, that really changes things from dirt to earthy. It is. Like, okay. Because earthy is pleasant. I want to earthy taste earthiness. Earthy might be worse than dirt. <laughs> all, all I know is that the, the biscotti is excellent when dipped in coffee. Um, you just don't like the taste of these things. It's all trash. Like, it, it's just all bad. All bad. No, it's all good. Uh, All bad. So by, here, by the way, here's the thing, Michael. Okay, here we go. Here we go with the here's the thing. Your opinions, I've decided, are just like are very valid. No, yes, are very intent on the idea of hating things that other people love. No, that's not. You true. are the ultimate yucker like, of people's yums. No, I want to like what everyone else. No, likes. because you dislike everything you think that everyone I else like likes. Not liking things, I want to like things. No, well, all I know is that. I asked you during since we're talking about the Costco trip when we were in the car on the way to Costco. I asked you because it popped into my head because of a song that was on the radio or something like that. What do you think of Ferris Bueller's Day Off? And I asked bracing, bracing for your answer. And sometimes I ask you these questions and you surprise me. But most of the time I'm I'm bracing for a reason. Because it's a wildly overrated movie. So, okay, for the listeners. Just let's set the stage here. We're talking about a man who thinks that Ferris Bueller's Day Off Day Off is wildly overrated. And on top of that, any movie that has a musical sequence in it is garbage. Yes, there are, the only exceptions are Disney movies for kids. Only kind of movies that, that so, have an exception for musical scenes. So the wonderful parade scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Awful. Worst part is, of the movie. Is a travesty to Michael. Yes. Now. We're, also, gonna, the stupid chatter when, when they're, they they go to Wrigley and start chatting. Hey, like, better, 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 swing. God, that, that is absolute <laughs> grating to me. Grating. Okay, so just consider this: like a politician will ask you, like you'll 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 look at a politician and go, like, do I want to have a beer with them? Like, do, do, are they likable? Like, you have to you have to phrase Michael's opinions around how trustworthy are his. Is his taste, is his opinions. This is a man who doesn't like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Because it's overrated as hell. So why should anyone validate your opinion on biscotti? It's overrated. You're also someone who doesn't like bacon or coffee. So like two of the things that are most beloved by people. Again, overrated foods. (laughs) I I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Anyways, the point is, welcome to the show. We're going to talk about USC football. On this episode, uh, potentially thing. Hey, if if there's no football this season, we might have to talk more about biscotti and Sorry. other gross things on this episode on the, on this podcast. But uh, l- let's l- let's talk about uh, Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Rain of Troy. We can get all of our bonus content. Alicia, you're putting stuff up on Patreon. Tell the people what they're what they're missing. Yeah, we're doing Skliff Notes, which are little daily news nugget kind of shows uh, every day or every couple of days, depending on what uh, the podcast schedule is. And yeah, talking through the sort of smaller things that are going around around USC, getting a little bit deeper into some of the topics that we would cover on the main show, but maybe have to breeze over a little bit for time. So those are super fun. And uh, and yeah, you should check them out. Patreon.com slash Red of Troy, 555. Not only do you get ad-free episodes, but ad-free main shows, but you get... All of our bonus content, 555 a month, patreon.com slash reign of Troy. At least let's take a quick break, come right back, get into the news, shall we? All right, Alicia, let's get right to it. It is July 21st that we're recording this. And once again, we have to lay rest to this. Hey, baby, hey, 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 hey
Gone so soon again. So soon. So soon. Uh, almost to the point with that uh, it was easy to forget he was back, and now he's gone again. Well, we didn't even really get the chance to use it, Michael. See like, him. Yeah, we didn't. Because the... there was no spring camp. We didn't get to talk about what he was doing in spring Nothing. camp. We maybe nope. should mention who we're talking about to, to the folks specifically. Maybe this could remind him. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. <laughs> Daniel, Imatra Bebe, uh, no longer with the Trojans. He announced on Tuesday his departure yet again. Uh, entering the transfer portal, he said, quote, I love this university coaching staff and my brother slash team. I'm extremely grateful for all the opportunities I've had at USC. I want to thank everyone for all they have done over the years, making my experience here special. As a kid... If you would have told me that I would not only be able to go to my dream school, but that I would be part of a Rose Bowl and Pac-12 championship winning teams while building lifelong friendships and completing my undergraduate and master's degrees at Marshall, I probably wouldn't have believed it. The love and support I've received has been unmatched. I have so much love for the Trojan family and always will bleed cardinal and gold. I have decided to explore my options heading into the upcoming season I will go in another direction for my final year of eligibility. I'm sad to leave, but excited for the future. I will forever be a Trojan, and again, want to thank everyone. God bless and fight on. That was Daniel Minor Bebe's statement that he put on social media. He he goes out the way, like he said, two degrees, uh, a, a couple of titles, albeit different types of titles, not a national title, but two titles nonetheless. That's nothing to to hang your head at. At the same time, it's a, it's a bummer for USC because he had so much promise and injuries kind of took it away. He transferred to Illinois. He comes back, and then he ultimately didn't get uh, another chance to see what's going down on the field. COVID hits, and now he's back to transferring again, and who knows um, what's next in store for Daniel Montpaper. Yeah, he's the greatest tight end that ever was at USC. Like, has he taken that away from Bryce Dixon? I think he's take he took it away from Bryce Dixon because he had just that that spark of man, this guy is special. And then it just like I think I think back to like the mystique really comes down to that Washington game. He was so key to that upset, and it's arguably the arguably the second best victory for USC in the past. Uh, you know, five years at the very least. You could talk about ten years if you wanted to. Um, certainly one of the most impressive. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a bummer to see him to see him transfer away. I, I'm I'm sort of torn on this because, like, on the one hand, I really wanted to see what he could do. On the other hand, I was very skeptical that we would even see him play at all. So, like, part of me thinks that USC doesn't really change anything from this you know because of this move there's talk of of what usc's tight end depth looks like well they have enough tight ends to go through a season this is not a tight end heavy they're not stanford running two tight end sets all the time they have eric krumenhoek and josh follow they have ethan ray and uh, uh, jude wolf and they brought in jack yary too so not to mention not to mention drake london who is the de facto sort of tight end who's not a tight end and there was talk also of John Jackson the third transitioning over to tight end or or something similar to the Drake London role uh, in this in this offense. So I don't think USC has a numbers problem in the slightest uh, at tight end with or without Daniel Madubebe. It was really just sort of the wild card, like could he be that presence that uh, that USC has been missing in the passing game? Could he forge the same kind of connection with Keaton Slovis that he did with Sam Darnold? that made them such a great uh, pair, the, the, the way that he became a bit of a safety blanket for Darnold the tail end of that 2016 season. So it, it's just a disappointment that stems from the what if. It, it really does. But in the, you know, the the larger concerns that USC has this year, this is, this is a very minimal one, very minor one. Yeah, but the the biggest loss for sure is we no longer can play this once again. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. 
And and with that, it is uh, fully retired. That's it. It's gone. Although I guess when we find out where he's going to transfer to, maybe we'll. Maybe, maybe we'll we'll, we'll see. Out but, of retirement. but nonetheless, it's, it's a sad moment for the podcast. Um, it will live forever in um, off the record recordings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we've talked about it before. We use that that drop as a sound check. But um, we might have to retire it from there, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's a rough go. You know what I was thinking board. about? The, we don't really have... We had a nice run there where we were sort of building up this this uh, library of drops for specific players. We had the Biggie drop. Yep. We had... Uh, we had a Kevin Zombie Bay. Juju. We had Zombie Juju. And... There was an Adori drop. There was an Adori yeah. drop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the the Dom Davis drop is uh, down the sideline. Yeah. yeah. So w- I don't know that we really have any drops for like major players currently. No. And so this is, is a like great a- opportunity for you listening at home to if if you got the means, make us a drop. Send it to us. Yeah. Troyfansite.com is the fo- is the email address. Or. Or just send us your suggestions. Send us a link. Yeah, send us a link to, you know, there's got to be like a London reference one could make for Drake London. London Colin. Uh, or I something? think we're going to struggle struggle with Keaton Slovis, but maybe something playing off the key situation. Uh, we can figure it out. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure something well, out. Yeah. But. Ooh, Marquis Step should have one. Step. There's got to be one. There's, there's got to be a. a, a, a Hey, we we sort. may end up having an extra six months to develop these uh, particular drops. Uh, so, yeah, we, we've got time. Yeah, and you mentioned that uh, because high school football has an extra <laughs> six months, which will be a perfect transition here. Uh, before we talk about college football, let's talk about high school really quick. Uh, the CIF has delayed high school football to January, uh, pushing it off into the spring This is one of those weird situations where it is absolutely brutal for recruiting um, because not only is, you know, there's several players. I mean, so many players are going to miss out on on senior year evaluations that would have been so pivotal um, considering that the early signing day is before the season even starts. Um, So I wonder how many players maybe hold out, don't sign early. Maybe they don't sign directly on signing day in February. Remember, that's just the opening of the signing period. That's not the day you have to sign. Maybe people wait uh, until later in February to sign, until they get some games under their belt or whatnot. Maybe this starts the trend of them not signing at all. Uh, Maybe. For years now, we've heard talk of people saying, like, why do you even sign? I guess it's to to uh, reserve your spot in the class, essentially, uh, you know, on an official capacity. But you don't have to sign technically. You can just turn up to campus and, and get a uh, the financial aid uh, paperwork all, all done and, and enroll. Yep. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be curious. I'm curious how this is going to have broader impacts beyond the period that this actually uh, goes for. But the other big question, too, you mentioned that players aren't going to get the evaluation um and and I talked about you know the the ability to lock in your place in a class. Well, if you delay signing, can you guarantee you have a spot? If you get to Who March, knows? April, and all of a sudden you're looking around and everybody's full up, then can, can will will this year's recruiting class rankings even matter? I I, I think it's, it's going to get so it's going to be so muddled. yeah so muddy because it's all on or. You'd imagine m- most of it is going to end up being on junior evaluations um, and camps before and after, um, and what happens because of that, and and all those kind of things. That I, I feel like there's going to end up being a high-ranking class that isn't nearly as good as people think it is, absolutely, and a lower class that ends up having bigger star players just because people develop later, people show out earlier. You there, also have to. Early bloomers, late bloomers, all that kind of stuff. Location is also going to play sure. an interesting yep. role in this whole recruiting situation. It's It's been very interesting seeing guys' initial responses to this ruling. And this is just for California, mind you. Uh, Texas has come out and they're delaying the uh, 6A and 5A 
season until like to September 7th or, or something like that. I think it's like a week or maybe two weeks that they've delayed it. I know that Florida is talking about delaying it, but it sounds like they're going to go ahead with their season. I think Georgia is the same. They're going to go ahead with their with their season in the fall. So it's going to be intriguing to see if players choose to go play their senior seasons elsewhere. What will eligibility eligibility look like? Uh, what will recruiting look like? If you are a Southern California kid and you go play your, your season in Texas, suddenly the access that the Texas or, or Oklahoma's or uh, A&M's and all of those of the world have for you. If you are going to Florida, you're opening up uh, different connections that, that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So that could absolutely play a role. But at the same time, I look at it and I, I wonder how many guys would actually go ahead and do that. Uh, so far, what we've heard from players is that they're just going to enroll early and not play their senior season. And some guys will have the opportunity to do that. Not everyone will. So I, you know, there was immediate talk of Jake Garcia. There's been rumblings around him, uh, the quarterback commit, uh, USC's highest ranked commit in this class, and rumblings about him sort of flirting with Miami. And if he wanted to go play his senior season in Florida, he could do that. And then all of a sudden that Miami connection looks a bit more interesting. Um, but on the flip side, you have uh, Zamarin Gordon, the safety out of uh, Warren, in Downey, who has come out and said, yeah, no, I'm enrolling early. I'm just not going to play my senior season. Cool. Peace. And uh, and Anthony Beavers is from Narbonne. The athlete from Narbonne looks like he's going to do something similar. There's some peace catchers. <laughs> and Corey Foreman, the number one prospect in the country, uh, defensive end from uh, Corona Centennial, was uh, was on Twitter basically saying, like, yo, if, you, if you're telling me that I have to choose between playing my senior season or getting a head start with my first camp in college, I'm, I'm going to college. So, right. Which is a decision that you kind of have to make in that, in that, uh, in that circumstance. And but those are elite guys. So it's, right. I don't know where the three stars look and like in this. That's the point that I need to reiterate here. I've seen so many people, you know, decry this decision by the, by the CIF because it hurts the elite guys. The elite guys are an extreme minority. Like, think of all the players who play high school football. The the ones that go on to play college, especially D1, is a minuscule amount. Um, yes, it's going to affect college football recruiting big time because of the time frame. Um, and, you know, the other thing, I, we talked about it months ago. That you and I were in Arizona listening to the sports radio, and they were talking because back months ago, when it looked like this could happen, and then it didn't, and then it, then it has, right? There was talk that on the Arizona sports radio uh, talk shows, all these there's gonna be a mass exodus. Every kid from California is gonna move to Arizona, and which, if you think about it, that is such a stupid argument because logistically. Who can just pick up and move? It's a very small <laughs> yeah. minority of people that that can that can just pick up and move. Number two, um, who can pick up and move, or who would in that sense in that instance the elite of the elite recruits, and particularly ones that are you know um, of means, right? Absolutely, you, you would have to be of means and able to turn around and say, "What well, we're going to move to Arizona, establish our residency in." Whatever Phoenix or Scottsdale right. or Glendale or Tucson or wherever you want to go, yeah, it's not that easy to just like move across the uh, state lines. Yeah, move across the state lines just for high school. Like, I, I think it's for one year of high school, mind you, when right. you could just hire a trainer and get through the fall and then go to college for all that money that it would yeah. cost to, to 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 move. Yeah, so I, I think people over, I mean, oversimplify this thing all the time. Um, mind you, elite recruits are the ones who could potentially do that. Sure, for sure. But those elite recruits, I think, are also the ones in positions to potentially sit out the season. So I, I think we need to take a, take a second, take a deep breath, and see what all becomes of this. Because I wouldn't be surprised if very few blue chips played at all um, in the spring, especially if a vast majority of them are going to be signed before either in December or in February, a month into their season? Like, I, I are, are these guys going to play? Are, are, 
are their their college coaches going to tell them to, you know, you know what? I, I don't think you should play. Like, who knows what happens here? Uh, it's just too early. It's really too early, and there's a lot of decision making time ahead of us to to figure out actually where things stand and what guys right. are going to do. And and frankly, I mean, neither of us are a high school aged football prospect and neither of us are the parents of high school age football prospects so different people might be looking at this thing with a completely opposite perspective might be thinking about things that we're not thinking about and come to vastly different conclusions than we might come to just trying to to you know uh play it out in our minds in here so it's it's going to get it very interesting, but the thing we go back to with all of these things relating to the pandemic is just nobody knows what's going on. The thing I look at right now is like kudos to CIF for having the guts to just come right out and say we're not playing this fall. The uh the, the just for some details, they're going to begin practice in mid December, first games in the first week of January, and they're going to be finished by uh, the middle of April. So. They have a plan, and I appreciate that they have a plan where they're going to have at least give kids clarity of of what to expect. What I worry about is that in Texas and Georgia and Florida and some of the other states that have already made their decisions, can they really say that they're going to start the season when they say they're going to start the season at this point? Like, can can Texas really say, yes, we're going to start our season on September 7th? Like, when you have, and, and this is the other big news nugget that came out on Tuesday, when you have major universities who are going online completely, Cal is going online completely for their fall semester, and that follows in the in the suit of, of USC and the Cal States and all of those areas, like, I, I just, the trends tell me that this isn't going to go as smoothly as, as, as people would maybe want it to be, the, I think, the hopeful thinking about uh, where this uh, where this all lands. And that's the other thing that we haven't talked about that, you know, I'm going to just transition us straight into it. The big news that we missed uh, because we were on vacation. Well, we didn't miss it because it was in the end, the end of the week before we went on vacation. But the Pac-12 canceling the, the conference, the non-conference schedule right. is uh, another one of those measures where the Pac-12 knows for sure they can't start the season on September 1st. But it might be a little bit of wishful thinking if they're saying they're going to start it on September 27th. But but even then, I don't know that we know the start date. Um, well, we don't. We don't know the, the structure of this conference-only season in the slightest. There's going to have to be a new schedule that comes out, um, if only for new dates. Because uh, the, the whole strategy behind, I initially, and, and I will eat crow here, I initially thought that going to conference-only was, was kind of pointless because I'm like, the the distance between Washington and Arizona is <laughs> travel wise. Like, it's a lot lot of travel. It's not like going to conference only was going to create a bubble situation think, where everyone was in the same, you know, small footprint. I think somebody pointed out that Colorado will not have like the travel that Colorado does in the Pac twelve footprint is longer more than 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 like USC to to Arlington. Each one of those travel dates well, is not to mention that. You look at Colorado's non-conference schedule, I guarantee you, uh, I actually don't remember what it was, but I know that they, I guarantee you it, it was it was better than their actual conference schedule. Yeah, it was Because they play Colorado they State and they'll have a home game of some sort. And those two games will, you know, would be better off from, from them tra- traveling on the road in the, the conference is, to go to Oregon or This is like what that. I learned putting together my league in NCAA Football 14. Uh, where I did the realignment that was based, you know, and I was laughing because Pat Forty came out with his own realignment plan that was almost identical to mine in theory, in in the sense of like he was like, okay, I'm gonna realign and it's gonna be all region region based, and I, he he and I must have seen the same thing because Colorado, you look at a map of the Pac-12, Colorado makes no sense in the Pac-12. West Virginia makes even less sense in the Big 12. Like the the the, the like regional situations that that are the the conferences don't actually save anybody any like space, any time, any right. any distance. So, yeah, the conference only but you were going to you were going to continue on to the conference only uh 
schedule and, and what. Yeah, the, the benefit yeah. of the, the conference-only schedule is that it gives you time, and it's not just, le- you know, you you start the season two, three weeks later. That's, that's not the time I'm talking about. Uh, it gives you time um, to to add in more bye weeks that you could, in theory, be able to move games. If USC can't play in week three because 10 players have COVID-19, maybe you can move that game to week eight or, or, or whatnot. And and maybe there's a, a, a bye week that you and your opponent have at the same time or, or, or whatnot. Um, but the other thing, um, and I this makes sense uh is that going to conference only allows a uniformed uh set of guidelines for what you're going to do uh in terms of covid-19 prevention right um uh, and, and all the the guidelines for that you're taking safety and health wise uh that you can have some coherence and and because USC is not going to be able to do the same thing that that Alabama would have done uh, who wouldn't have done the same thing that New Mexico would have done. All those things would have been slightly different in some sort of sense because they're all under different, um, you know, administrations of sorts, right? So putting it all under the, the Pac-12 allows some uniformity. That helps. However, I still go back to my main point. You're still having teams get on planes, travel far away, uh, and play games in which the offensive linemen and defensive linemen are constantly spitting and sweating on each other 150 plays in a game. So and you're not you're, you're, you're so- not exactly protecting anything. Well, you're you're limiting the damage sure, but but it's still but that inherently dangerous. The limitation of that damage is 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 questionable I think too. Uh, it's been very interesting this week. The NBA bubble is working. They haven't had any tests, any positive tests since they went into the bubble. Uh we know that in the Premier League they're doing a bubble and it seems to be working. The the College, F1 bubble The F1 bubble seems working? to be working. Yep. College sports have not even attempted to do a bubble. USC has had players going to and from home and other schools have had players going to and from home. Being able, I mean, West Virginia's, uh, I think it was the the AD or, or someone high up in the West Virginia Athletic Department talked about how their positive tests, when they traced them, they weren't coming back to practices. They were coming back to social activities outside of practice. So the problem is that they're not, it, it, I, I believe that they can hold these practices fairly safely. I believe that they could hold games fairly safely where everyone who's, who's participating has recently tested negative for the virus. But I don't trust that that these programs are going to be able to keep a hundred players in line, keep them from going out into the wild right. and interact with randos and 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 potentially get get infected. And then what happens if you're infected? It's a two week sit out period minimum quarantine. Right. So does USC want to be playing games if Keaton Slovis is quarantined for two weeks? Does USC want to be playing games if Elijah Vera Tucker is quarantined for two weeks? Like <laughs> things get. Very, very difficult to deal with if you're talking about mandatory quarantine. So, uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in in the system that they have in place right now. Even if I think the delay in time is probably good. Yeah, I think I think the MLB situation is somewhat reckless, uh, but the MLB at least is trying to put each team in a bubble, even if they're going to travel, and so. I'd feel so much more confident if college football was doing that. It's just extremely difficult to to, to do it. You 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 can't can't justify that with with players who are amateurs. With players who are amateurs, uh, in a a climate in which students are not going to be on campus otherwise, how do you justify that? Um, Like, in in a perfect world, if you didn't have to deal with amateurism aspects of, you know, asking these these players to, to do this and not get paid, if you didn't have to deal with all these other hurdles, uh, you know, school and whatnot, maybe in a perfect world you could be like, well, if all these schools are going online, you can actually create a bubble because all these, these kids can do their online classes from the same place. Yeah, that would be great. Can that happen? I don't think it can happen. And I don't know that, again, I don't know how you pull that off in a situation when... A, you've told other students 
do not come to campus. But hey, these students, they're actually are not only going to come to campus, but they're going to go out of state to be in a bubble. Uh, and, and all of the Pac-12 schools are going to Idaho to be in this bubble and play all their games at the Kibbe Dome. You know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't yeah. make any sense. Even if, in theory, that would be the best plausible situation. Certainly not when those players don't have representation. Um, right. The whole MLB problem that just happened was the players' union and the league not, you yeah, know, and look agreeing at the NFL. on how All the NFL work. players are up in the yeah. House. The NFL players are are pushing back against the NFL's current plans, and the players are basically saying like, "Hey, we kind of care about our own safety, so let's figure this out and yeah. use our input to do so." Well, how are we gonna? I mean, when the NCAA is actively fought against not just unionizing college players, but creating sort of uh, representative representative bodies and, and all of that kind of stuff, like whatever you want to call it. <laughs> this is just very, very complex, and I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, definitely not ideal. Uh, last bit of recruiting news. Uh, we're talking about, we, we talked about one of the greatest names in USC football history, Daniel Imanderbebe, earlier. Now we have to go to Potentially one of the greatest names in USC football history. Whenever he gets on campus, if he ultimately does, Prophet Brown. Prophet Brown. He That's was he was sent from above name. to USC's recruiting class, the four-star running back slash cornerback from Elk Grove, California, 205th nationally in the 24-7 sports composite, the 14th ranked corner. 21st ranked recruit in the state of California, 5'10", 180 pounds. This is a guy who can play offense and defense. Mix it up, give USC some athleticism. What, what, what say you? Yeah, he, he is. I'm surprised they don't have him listed as an athlete, honestly, because he seems to fit the bill of athlete. You see him listed as a running back in some places. He had 779 yards and 11 touchdowns on 65 carries uh, last year. He had 343 yards receiving and five touchdowns receiving on 17 catches. In his highlight reel for announcing his commitment, there were you know highlights of him catching passes like a wide receiver. So he brings that skill set to the table. He's fast. Um, he's a, a devastating special teams guy, punt returner. And that in and of itself is mouthwatering, except he's also a great corner. And uh, he, he had three interceptions and five pass breakups. Uh, playing uh, on the defensive side of the ball this past season in high school. And I believe that he will end up coming into USC as a corner simply because Dante Williams seems to have taken the the reins on his recruitment. So that, you know, I, I think he could get to USC and end up in another spot. But for now, we have to assume he'll come in as a, a DB. And that's another really nice pickup for Dante Williams then. Yeah. And you would have to think um, Profit would be able to know where the passes are going. Uh, which would make him good as a cornerback. Yes, yes. Prophet Brown is uh, the 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 puns are endless there. Him prophesying a uh, an interception or two. Yeah, I I saw a tweet from Adam Grosbard who said, uh, maybe one day SC can have a Prophet Brown Amon Ra St. Brown practice battle. Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah, so very fun. Prophet and Amon Ra. Let's let's do it. Well, so so Amon Ra needs to stand would here. speak? He would really speak to Prophet. <laughs> he would, he would. Yeah. Yes, yes. You're getting mileage out of this. Um, I hope USC is able to God, get some I mileage, am, yeah. <laughs> some mileage out of uh, out of Prophet Brown. Who I want to br- call attention to Brandon Huffman's uh, evaluation of him on Twenty Four Seven Sports because uh, I think it it goes to show just sort of the 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 wide variety. Of, uh, of things he's able to do. So he uh, is one of the more dynamic players in the region. A sub-11, 100-meter as a sophomore uh, was a personal record. Explosive on film, hits top gear quickly and gets to second level with burst. Can split out wide or match up against linebackers to exploit wheel routes. Needs to improve running with power. Primarily runs with short area burst, but needs to continue churning through contact. Projects as a multi-year power five starter and projects as an early third-day pick. And that sounds to me like running back evaluation. So uh, USC's probably going to have to put that athleticism to good use. But sort of a powerful ball hawking corner. Yeah. 
Sounds good to me. You can see the future for profit, but that would be, <laughs> that would be pretty, 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 pretty good. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and wrap this thing up with a quick mailbag. We'll be right back. You've got mail. All right, Ellie, so let's start with a tweet we got from Evan. How good is USC's D-line? I've seen national media speak highly of it, but I've heard you guys not be as optimistic. To me, Tufele and Jackson are really good, but tell me more about the depth that we have slash don't have. So I think USC has the potential to have a good line, but I am still coming in with a bit of skepticism just because I haven't seen Tufele and Tupelotu and Peely consistently hit the level that they need to in order to say that USC has a good line. I, I think consistency is, is the word yeah. there, right? Like consi- You need to consistently see that kind of stuff, uh, the high play from them, because on a player-by-player player, you know, basis, I might take every one of USC's defensive linemen over almost anybody in the conference, save for what Oregon's got up front, right? Like, you would take so many of those guys, Oregon and Oregon State both have very good defensive lines, and, and so does Washington, but, like, you would take so many of those guys over those a lot of those other players. Um, at the same point, it's just about consistency. Um, absolutely, J. Tufale could be one of the best defensive linemen in the country. We just need to see it on a daily basis, uh, week in, week out, every single game, uh, for that to be the case. He's got the he's got the talent. He's got the ability. Absolutely. Uh, Brandon Peely has shown glimpses. You need to see consistency there. Marlon Tupelotu has shown glimpses. He's actually had more production in a lot of more often uh, than Jay Tufale. You just don't you wouldn't have expected that. And maybe that's an indictment on on Jay Tufale a little bit from not being as productive as he could be, but. Marlon Tupelotu has dealt with injuries. He's dealt with consistency issues. Drake Drake Jackson is is too young to say that he's inconsistent. The, uh, the, the issue the jury's still still out on him, but he his freshman year was great. He now he's got to build on that for for year two, and he's got to fit the system. Uh, I was on the uh, Quack Twelve pro- podcast a few weeks ago, and one of the things that uh, they do a lot of film study and they do a lot of like deep dive into into scheme and all of that. And their concern, having watched film of, of Todd Orlando in Texas and having seen what Drake Jackson was able to do at USC, they don't know where he fits necessarily in this defense. Like it's getting that right. Um, working out his positioning is going to have a big impact, not just on how the defensive line as a whole does, obviously, but on, you know, how much you're actually getting out of a player who we all know is supremely talented. And I think that is, again, my issue. Jay Tufele has supreme talent possibilities there's being talked about as like a first round draft pick but he hasn't played like a first round draft pick at usc and i don't think it's a j2 fellay problem i think it's a usc's defense not fitting uh not getting the most out of their out of their defenders um the the uh, when when so many guys have the lack of consistency yeah it's easier to point towards coaching for sure absolutely well now and now this is the thing that if you want some hope for USC in 2020 or whenever the season gets played, Vic Soto has an impeccable track record at Virginia. Um, they had nothing but great things to say about him. His his unit was productive. Um, his unit was consistent. His unit laid a strong foundation for that defense. But there's still going to be a learning curve. That but there's still going to be a learning curve. Yes, exactly. So, so. It, this is this is sitting on a knife's edge. But they have like. Between Tufele and Tupelotu and Peely and Jackson, you got to feel pretty good. Uh, Evan asked specifically about depth. Depth is a little bit more uncertain because we just haven't seen enough of of half of the guys that you talk about. Like Jacob Lichtenstein, I was super excited about for a second there. Was it a good spring last year he had? Yeah, and and he came in and and actually played uh, in a couple of games at the tail end of the 2018 season and looked really good. And then was injured all of last year. Yeah. Um, we haven't really seen Trevor Trout because he's been dealing with injury for the for the whole time, and he's a, yeah. a good defensive tackle we, we there. Don't, don't know enough about Dejon Benton. Yeah, Dejon Benton, we we haven't necessarily seen. Uh, there's a lot of hope around guys like uh, Benton and and Kobe Pepe and and those guys, but we just we haven't seen them. So the depth is is just more unknown than anything. 
So I can't necessarily speak to it. There are bodies there. But the quality of those bodies, there, there's no like five star. This guy's a super stud that's going to be amazing right. guy in there. So it, it very much a wait and see game. Yeah. Kobe Pepe, uh, high school player uh, of the year in, in the, the Trinity uh, League. Yeah. So maybe that can bode well to, to what but he's he, also a freshman. So, you know, you right. shouldn't be relying on him yet. E- exactly. So but but in the future, for sure. Um, let's go to a Slack message we got from Sean in beautiful Austin, Texas. Who says, who will be the breakout defensive player if there is a season? This is difficult because SC brings back so many dudes on defense. Uh, it's hard to really circle a spot where you're like, well, there's a new guy that, that's going to be uh, a new face. But I think it has to come probably from the linebacker core, given that it's a completely new defense. And there will be more likely new faces there who are in a new scheme and in a new, um, you know, whole mentality and culture uh, defensively. If this comes to pass, then it's very, it's a very, very good sign for USC's defense. The breakout defensive player of the year is Solomon Tulupupu. If, if he stays healthy, if, if he if, is, if, yes. if he is, yeah. Um, I'll go out of left field a little bit and say that I think there's a lot of attention being paid to Talanoa Fanga, rightly so. It, but I, it, if, I can't count that as a breakout. No, 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 no. I was going to say a player who is very much flying under the radar, but could have a big year Ray in Scott? year two. No, in year two of his uh, starting experience is Isaiah Polamal. Sure. I think Isaiah, Isaiah Polamal. I, I don't think that qualifies as a breakout. For we'll me. see. And that's the, that's the thing is what... Like, is Hunter Eccles a potential breakout player if we just see more of him? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sure it, it's it's hard to quantify what a, what a breakout player is. Uh, I, I think if, so, if, Greg, who, if Greg Johnson has a big year, like, does he count as a breakout player? He's been an established sort of, I think he started enough to where yeah. it wouldn't necessarily yeah. count. I go Max I, Williams, I like Max, Max Williams, Williams a lot. is a good pick, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've heard many people say that. Uh, Raymond Scott could be someone who gets a chance in this defense. Uh, he would definitely qualify because we haven't seen much of him beyond special teams. I like Raylan Goforth personally. Raylan it's a, Goforth, a linebacker, we, we, but we, we've seen out there. The NCAA rosters really love Raylan <laughs> Goforth. They really do. They do. They absolutely love Raylan Goforth. And I love him too, so like, no no shade there, but... Uh yeah, it was it was funny playing instead of lay and like all of a sudden like the first sub in at linebacker is Raymond Scott. No, not Raymond Scott. Uh, Raylan Goforth. I'm like, hey yo, someone who gets it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Slack message from LA Fred. What was the main reason, in your opinion, as to why Daniel Mondebebe decided to transfer? Coaching a lack of tight end use, not treated well at USC. Other maybe didn't like Michael Strop. Um, what 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 is <laughs> I. We we don't know. I, I, I I'll take a guess. I, I I can only hypothesize, but I don't know if it would be completely fair. My hypothesis. My guess is that um, Daniel might have seen the writing on the wall in terms of the usage in of the tight end in this offense. And personally, what I think is we're going to see something like Drake London being the primary quote unquote tight end. Uh, as a receiving tight end and when he's not like when they have a tight end on the field it'll be more often be as an h-back where eric krumenhoek's skill set will be more useful and uh if you are daniel amadebebe and you're coming back from this you know two-year sabbatical as a you know as call it and you know you have one shot left to play and you look around and see i don't think eric krumenhoek is going to get shoved off of that perch as far as the reliable starter that, that USC has there in that traditional tight end role. Um, I don't know that Daniel Marbebe is guaranteed a heavy role in this offense, just the way USC uses the tight end, who they already have established, and, and all of that. So if I'm Daniel Marbebe, I have my degrees, I can grad transfer without penalty, and I can maybe go somewhere that actually really needs a starter at tight end in a system that is more suited to my skill set and, you know, try things from there. Yeah, my my very speculative speculation, um, mind you, again, we we don't know the details here, Um, so that's the first point to make. 
Uh, I, I think Daniel Ray talks about getting the two degrees. Uh, him coming back is sure that he would get both of those from USC. He had gotten the um, bachelor's degree. Him coming back allowed him to finish off the master's degree. I think that plus COVID hitting, plus, yeah, maybe some more opportunity to look at the offense and, and, and see how things fit, and maybe it's a perfect storm. That That's, that's a hypothesis. I don't know. Um, either way, like I said, getting those two gr- degrees – that that's a huge victory right there. So, uh, nonetheless, that was a good reason to come back to USC uh, for Daniel Imanu Bebe. Uh, La Fred also says, uh, with both of you guys going on vacation to Yosemite, rank the top national parks to visit. This is a good time to mention I did not go to Yosemite. You did because I wasn't gonna wake up at four in the morning to go on a freaking fourteen mile hike. Like a crazy person. Yeah, okay. And so, like, here's the sad bit. So, I had planned for a long time with my friend and and hiking partner. uh, We had wanted to do Cloud's Rest, which is the hike that gives you the best view of Half Dome. Can can I talk about how Cloud's Rest is a terrible name for a mountain? I mean, is it a mountain, though? Call it a mount mount something. Something peak. But it's not a peak. It's like like an, an outcropping. Mm. It's more like El Cap than like or Half Dome than like eh. than a peak like a mountain eh. peak. It, mm. Either way, Clouds Rest really wanted to do it. Everyone it's raves. still a summit. It, well, okay, fair. Uh, everyone raves about it. Everyone says it's the best hike in Yosemite. All that kind of stuff. So, um, we had done all of our research, and I immediately said hell no to ascending from the valley floor because that is dumb. Uh, no, thank you. And uh, so we were going to do the side from the backside, which is a 14-mile hike that begins at Tanaya Lake. And last year we were going to do it, and the road, Tioga Pass, was closed because of snow. So we pivoted and did Eagle Peak, and that was awesome. This year we came back going, we're going to do Clouds Rest this year. We're going to do Clouds Rest this year. So Leanne and I, being the avid hikers that we are, no, okay, we need to get out there early. It's going to be a long day, but we need to get there early. It's going to take a while to drive because you have to go around the valley to the backside. Somewhere along the way, the people that we were hiking with, all of the, the group of people that we were hiking with who all agreed to go hike Cloud's Rest with us, somewhere along the way, it got lost in translation that this drive would be two and a half hours. So we had already planned to leave the cabin at 4.30 a.m. so that we could get to Yosemite early. They thought leaving at 4.30 a.m. meant getting to the trailhead by like 5.30 a.m. They didn't realize that it was going to be two and a half hours. So I wake up at 3.30 a.m. to start getting ready and I see a text message from one of our hi- one of the people who are going to come on the hike going like, uh, hey, like, do you guys realize it's two and a half hours drive to, to, to the trailhead for this one? Like, that's really long to be driving. Like, I'm not sure about this. And so, like, while I was sleeping, there was this whole conversation. So I wake up to people are, like, piecing out. This is at 3.30 in the morning that people have decided, like, they ain't going if it's going to be a two and a half hour drive. So I'm scrambling to find a new hike to do that can be from the other side so that it's only an hour drive, an hour and a half drive. And it was a whole big thing. Long story short, too long, didn't read. We ended up hiking Dewey Point, which was only like eight miles, significantly shorter. Only eight only miles. Eight miles. This one still it's, outrageously long. It's across the way from El Capitan. Great view. Very spectacular. Wonderful. Um, definitely worth it. Uh, but... Uh, I had major problems on this hike, though. Like, I I had real hard time breathing. So, um, put that in the checkbox of, like, maybe I had COVID earlier this year. <laughs> I don't think I actually did, but, you know, everyone thinks that. So, um, yeah, I don't know why I just did that entire storytelling thing. Suffice it to say, I really, 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 really want to do Cloud's Rest. And now Leanne and I have decided, screw all those other people. When we do Cloud's Rest, we're doing Cloud's Rest. And if people want to come with us, they don't They don't have to come with us. Um, next time, we'll make sure that one of us has a car and we are willing to drive two and a half hours. 
which by the way, we do all the time for hiking. Like every time we hike in the Bernardino Mountains, every time we hike out uh, any of those big peaks out there, it's a two and a half hour drive from from Silmar. So, Meh. Anyway, top five national parks that you've been to. Okay, so here's the problem. You, that you've been to. That's the problem. I have been to national parks, but I was young and I didn't have glasses yet. So I was young and I didn't have glasses yet is such an interesting way to put it. So like, well, I was just talking to my mom about this. My mom tells the story about how we went before I was like when I got into kindergarten, the summer before kindergarten, we went on this big dry, like this big road trip. And we went to like, I think we went to um, to Yellowstone or, or something like that, like uh, a national park, everything like that. And we saw all sorts of stuff. And my mom remembers telling me like, oh, look at the buffalo and oh, look at the horses and oh, look at the this and that. And I would just go like, oh, 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 oh. but I couldn't actually see anything because I'm blind as a bat and my mom didn't know this. And so when I got into kindergarten, my teacher had to like tell my mom like, hey, like she needs to get glasses. Um, I still it. it- it blows my mind that it took that long for for that to because be because they out. thought I was being fussy every time they did a an eye test. They thought I was just being fussy and being difficult because like I didn't have a way to explain to them that I can't see the thing you say is an umbrella. I can't see the thing you say is an e. Like, yeah. So, uh, basically, I have been to Yosemite, and I can't definitively say where else I've been because I don't recall or I didn't see it technically. Wow. So I've looked this up and, and tried to figure out all the, the parks I've been to. Uh, so I've been to Bryce, the Grand Canyon, Kings Canyon, Mesa Verde, uh, Mount Rainier I haven't been to. I've seen and flown over it. Does, does that count? Sort of. That doesn't count. You've seen, but but I've seen what Mount Rainier looks like, you know. But it doesn't count. Okay, fine. Uh, I've been to the Redwood uh, National Park, Zion, Yosemite, Sequoia, and Glacier Bay. If I have to rank a top five, we're gonna go Yosemite number one, uh, Grand Canyon number two, Bryce three, Glacier Bay four, and. Five, let's say, Zion. Uh, of the ones that I've not been to that I really want to go to, Grand Tetons is right up there along with Glacier National Park. Those are the two that, and Yellowstone, that, that I really would love uh, to, to go to. Yeah, okay, so I just looked up the national parks, and uh, I have been to, I okay, I really want to go to Arches and Bryce Canyon, but I'm, I have an archer story. I'm planning a, uh, a, a hiking story? trip with, with Leanne for that. So 1996, family vacation. We go from L.A. to uh, Colorado Springs and back two weeks. It is like the big vacation I had as a kid, right? We went to Zion and Bryce. And then we were going to go to Arches. And Arches was the one I wanted to go to because I want to see the damn Arches. But. But, my parents. We've seen enough Red Rock. We're not going to get off the exit. <laughs> and I sat there as a seven-year-old crying as the next right Arches National Park, the sign, just went right by us. I'm not sure you can actually drive to see the Arches, though. I, th- I've. Discover this yeah. after the fact. It's like a three mile hike just <laughs> yeah. to see the arch. Yeah. Yes. Which never yeah. gonna happen, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, but it, it's that's one of the defining moments of your childhood, I'm sure. Absolutely it is. Okay, so uh that's what I haven't seen, but I have definitely seen um Joshua Tree. I have seen I believe I've been to Kings Canyon. I've certainly been in the Inyo National Forest, that's just where I was. Um I have seen the uh, Redwood National Forest and the Sequoias. And then I have seen, uh, obviously, Yosemite. And I want to say that I've also... Is Sedona in the sort of national park sphere? No. No? Not, okay. not a national park. Okay. 
So well, it should be. It really should it's, be. Yeah, Sedona would be up there if it was. And then um, there was one more that I believe another family trip. We went to um, it's up in what, what's the one up in Washington? Uh, Olympia. Olympia. Yeah, we went there. We did like a like a rainforesty kind of like hike walk thing. Olympic. No. Yeah, Olympic. That one. That one. Um, number one is Yosemite by far. Number one is Yosemite. Um, oh, and we've I did Carlsbad Canyons, but I, again, that was I was a kid and I don't remember a lot. Caverns. Caverns. Yeah, Carlsbad Caverns. So yeah, it's Yosemite, but really, like, if I were going to to rank, I I can't say that I can rank for certain. I've seen more of Joshua Tree than the others, but I it's not necessarily my favorite. Uh, this is really just this exercise has taught me that I really need to do more national parks, and uh, that's a that's a thing. But like I said, I am planning a a a, a like a multi day hiking extravaganza driving out to um to Bryce and Arches and the Grand Canyon and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah. That was a good time to announce on the podcast I'm no longer gonna be living in the Grand Canyon state. Yeah. Yeah, you're officially leaving Arizona. Coming back to California. <sighs> good times. It's the great migration back to LA. So the the, the sad I feel like everyone I know is moving back to LA right the now. The sad part of this is that we lose a home base for Arizona and Arizona State games. For sure. Um, the pl- the sad part also is that uh, the food staples that I began to associate with Arizona are... I, I won't be able to, to get Whataburger anymore. Yeah. Not easily accessible Whataburger, not easily no. accessible Sonic. Um <sighs> Portillo's, we're going to have to go to Winter Park a lot. It's, yeah. it's an hour drive to get Portillo's. Uh yeah, so sort of bummer in that sense, but eh. no, 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 at least no you'll, dry be, heat. you'll be back in the good old Golden State and uh, pay more taxes. Well, and more rent. That's yeah, fine for sure. All right, that's gonna wrap this thing up. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, by the way, Trent said Glacier National Park number one. I don't doubt that Glacier National Park could be number one. Because every picture I see of Glacier National Park, I'm like, this place is insane. Yeah, like, I want to Ban- go there. Banff and Glacier National Park both look utterly unreal to me. Uh, Banff is uh, completely on my list too, which is like the uh, that's the Canadian Yosemite. If you hey, maybe maybe what we should do when the USC football season gets completely canceled, we'll uh, let's let's just go do a, a national parks road trip, and let's we'll do just do the podcast from from. You know, middle of Montana or do a car cast from Montana. There yeah. you go. Yeah, right. we'll review each national park. Uh, I'll do a hiking review. You can do a driving review. Sure. Um. Yeah. All right. Let's make it happen. Right. Sounds good. Uh. Anyways, that's gonna wrap up the show. Thanks as always for listening. Again, you can get ad-free main episodes by heading over to Patreon for as little as three thirty-three per month. If you want our bonus episodes and get ad-free episodes as well. 555 over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Red of Troy. Uh, Alicia, you got a final word? The final word is Banff, because it's such a silly word. But it's a badass national forest. It is. But, like, say it. Banff. 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 It just, like, it just shouldn't, it shouldn't be. It's so beautiful. Someone missed a, a vowel. So, so you beautiful. know what Banff is? It's like if uh, Only Connect accidentally kept oh, one. Have we talked about Only Connect <laughs> on the podcast? <laughs> I don't know if we've talked about Only Connect on the oh podcast. Oh, my God. Guys. Do yourself a favor. First of all, I'm excited because us ending this podcast means we get to finish Breaking Bad uh, almost tonight. We won't be able to finish it completely. Probably not. Uh, but we got Tahajali and Ozymandias coming up tonight on, on our Rewatch or my rewatch of Breaking Bad, your first watch. So excited for that. But only connect this show that Alicia and I have just gotten the most British show into. It is the best game show I think I've ever seen. It is. It's an amazing game show. It's incredibly British. Yes. It is so good. If you want to feel stupid, watch the show. But if you also want to be full episodes on YouTube. And like we're watching episodes from like twenty eleven. Like they're old seasons, all on YouTube. They're so good. Only connect. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cannot recommend highly enough. Yeah. All right. See ya. All right. See ya. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.